Hey folks, and welcome to Burgess Springs Season 1, the Complete Edition. I'm Noah Lloyd. I co-created Burgess Springs alongside Elizabeth Strayer. What we've got for you today is essentially the feature film edition of the complete first season of Burgess Springs. If you've listened to the show before, we hope you'll enjoy revisiting the story. If you're brand new to the world of Burgess Springs, this will provide you an unbroken experience of the original eight episodes. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a rating on iTunes, following the show on Twitter at Burgess Springs, or telling a friend about us. All these things really do help others find the show. Burgess Springs was a labor of love. Elizabeth and I had a story that we wanted to tell, and we worked within a shoestring budget to make that happen. Special thanks to our composer, Ben Cronin, and all the friends we wrangled and threatened into being our voice actors. We couldn't have done it without them. Thank you again for listening, grab some popcorn, and enjoy Burgess Springs Season 1, the complete edition. That last track you heard was called Echoes of Brutalism 2050. I hope it transported you to a large, concrete building in the not-so-distant future. If you're just tuning in, this is the Twilight Hour on WBSP. I'm your host, Jonathan Caswell. As always, I'm here to bring the uncanny to you, the good people of Burgess Springs. From my own oddly specific ambient sounds to stories of the weird and the wonderful. We're halfway through tonight's show, so stick around and call in with your stories. There's a lot more on the way. Next up is something I've been working on for... Excuse me. Just a sec, okay? Jonathan, let me in. Here at WBSP, the premier local radio station, we strive to be professional, but sometimes we get rudely interrupted by our friends. Hang on. Let me get a song on. As I was saying, here's a track I've been working on for a few weeks. We're channeling Early Morning Bakery in a small town in the French countryside. But the countryside's being haunted by the specter of paradox. Also, it's raining. All right, enjoy. Okay, folks, there's eight more minutes left, but I'm going to have to whisk you away from the bakery for a moment. Looks like it really is the twilight hour because the weird has come right to us. That interruption you heard was my good friend, Corinth Davies. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Corinth, and I'm a journalism student at Burgess Springs Community College. And a good one at that. Thanks. Corinth dropped by to tell us a story from real life. Something pretty strange just happened to her. Take it away. Okay. Sorry for interrupting the show. Hey, this is what we're all about. Right. So, about an hour ago, I got a voicemail from a number I didn't recognize. I don't know if it was meant for me or for Jonathan or if it was a wrong number situation. For context, Corinth has my old phone. Mine broke a few weeks ago, so I've been using his backup with his old number. Anyway. 
The voicemail was from a girl named Sarah, whose voice I didn't recognize. Can we play it over the air? How do we hook it up to... One sec. We can plug it into the mixer. Ready? Press play. Hello? It's Sarah. I think I'm lost. I, um, I went to the strip mall, and it's huge, and the Blockbuster wasn't there, and there's something called a Whole Foods, and I couldn't find a phone booth anywhere, so I walked over to the Cumberland Farms, the one off Route 9, to borrow their phone. Can you come pick me up, please? I'm scared. That's it. So, what do you think? I... Wow. That's... Weird, right? It gets stranger. Obviously, I had to go check things out. This girl sounds like she's in trouble. So I drive over to Cumberland Farms and ask around, but the cashier doesn't remember anyone coming in to use her phone. I'm thinking, maybe this Sarah's mistaken. There are gas stations all over the place. I go to all the ones in walking distance of the mall. Big Y, Pride, Sunoco. I even go to the other Cumbies over on Pleasant. Nothing. So I'm at a dead end for now. But there has to be more to this, right? There has to be a backstory. What do you think, Jonathan? Folks, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Now? If you've got thoughts about the voicemail Corinth has just played for us, give WBSP a call. You know the number. In Burgess Springs, it's the little things that matter. At Wellington Exploits, we understand. And we want you to know that Wellington will bring over 500 new jobs to the area, which come with training, full-time benefits, and the possibility for overtime. At Wellington Exploits, we're a family of engineers. Wellington Exploits, we take care. So I've been thinking... And the most likely explanation is that the voicemail isn't real. It has to be digital manipulation, some kind of deep fake. I don't know. They're messing with us. Someone's messing with us. Who's messing with us? And why would anyone want to? Hang on. We've got a caller. You have actual listeners? Hello. You're live on WBSP. Yeah, hi. This is such crap. You're obviously just playing for attention. I'm sorry? You're expecting us to believe that Sarah's back after all these years? She still sounds like a kid. Nobody's falling for this BS. You Caswells are all the same. Thank you, caller, but we've got someone else on the air. Hello, you're live on the Twilight Hour. Who's speaking? This is Sheriff Wells. Oh, great. Jonathan, I know you're still upset about the Sarah situation, but I'm going to have to ask you guys to leave this alone. I was on that case 17 years ago. And you not only failed to find her, but you pointed the finger at my family. With what evidence? Jonathan, this is not the time or place. The case is closed. I don't know what you're playing at now, but I'm warning you not to keep this up. Shut it down. Both of you. And that's all the time we have for our callers. How about we get back to our regularly scheduled programming? Can you clue me in here? What's the Sarah situation? You're new in town, but anyone who's been here more than a few years knows the story. It's a local legend. Seventeen years ago this month, a teenager named Sarah Reed disappeared in the mines. She was never found, just left behind a pool of blood. Like, ungodly amounts of blood. A cold case. Wow. And, um, 
Why did that policewoman bring your family into the middle of this? Jonathan? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. My family was involved because Sarah Reed was my half-sister. <gasps> hey you, whoever you are. This is Jonathan again. The recording you just heard was from a few weeks ago, but between then and now, Corinth and I made a lot of bad decisions. While we were trying to get to the bottom of the Sarah situation, we did some things and went some places and met some folks we shouldn't have. But more bad things just wound up happening. Now Corinth has gone missing, just like my sister Sarah did all those years ago. And I'm here because I need your help. Every week, I'll be sharing more of the evidence we collected together. If you think you could help, reach out to me at twilighthourwbsp at gmail.com. There are some sinister things afoot in the town of Burgess Springs, things that a lot of people, Darla Wells included, wouldn't want me to share with you. Listen in next week when Corinth and I go looking for Sarah. In June of 2004, 16-year-old Sarah Reed disappeared from the small town of Burgess Springs, Massachusetts. She has never been found. Then, last week, she left a voicemail for her brother. Hello? It's Sarah. I think I'm lost. Can you come pick me up, please? I'm scared. Everyone thought that Sarah's disappearance was a cold case, including me. That voicemail changed everything. My name is Jonathan Caswell, and this is a show about my hometown, Burgess Springs. It's also a show about my family. 17 years ago, my half-sister, Sarah Reed, disappeared. It divided the town along some very ugly lines, and it destroyed my father. Along the way, I'll try to tell you the story of that old crime, if it even was a crime, and I'll share the revelations and mistakes we hapless investigators made along the way. But this is more than a show, it's a call for help. A few weeks ago, my best friend, Corinth Davies, took it upon herself to investigate what happened to Sarah, and then she went missing, just like Sarah did. I followed every lead, but I'm coming up empty. The cops in this town won't do shit about it. So it's time to crowdsource. I'm going to share all the evidence I can in the hopes that someone out there will have something to add. Luckily, Corinth, well, she's a damn good journalist. She started putting together a podcast of her own, and she recorded everything. None of it was edited yet, so I've taken the liberty. We've only got scraps to work from, but I hope you'll help me, whoever you are. Last time, you heard an episode of my local radio show, The Twilight Hour, on WBSP, Burgess Springs Radio. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and catch up. I'll give you a minute. Ready? Good. Let's get started with a recording that Corinth made shortly after that fateful radio show. The voicemail brings up a lot of questions. Is this really Sarah? Did she survive her mysterious disappearance? If so, where is she now? If this isn't Sarah, then who's behind this cruel joke? And we still have the biggest question of all. What really happened to Sarah on that June afternoon 17 years ago? 
Join me, your host, Corinne Davies, as I investigate. You're listening to... Shit, what am I going to call this thing? You're listening to Burgess Springs. All right, back to Corinth. You've heard them all. Serial, My Favorite Murder, Up and Vanished, The Black Tapes. The list goes on. True crime is trendy. Maybe too trendy. As a broadcast journalism student at Burgess Springs Community College, I've tried to steer clear of what's popular. After all, everyone wants to make something original. Unique. Right? True crime? It was never my jam. Then things got personal. The voicemail was left on an old phone of Jonathan's, which he was lending me. Sarah, or whoever was trying to prank Jonathan, got me instead of him. But that was last week. Let's start at the beginning. According to police reports and newspaper articles, 17 years ago, in June 2004, Sarah Reed, age 16, and Jonathan Caswell, age 20, and Sarah's half-brother, went drinking in the foothills outside of Burgess Springs with Paul Williams, Jonathan's best friend. More about Paul later. After they had all gotten a little tipsy, someone, neither Paul nor Jonathan were ever really clear who, dared Sarah to go into the mine. She went in, but never came out. At the end of one of the tunnels, the police found her blood splattered across one of the walls and floor. Ugh. Gruesome. And the photos are gruesome, friends. But no Sarah. Later, Paul told authorities that he saw someone in the woods with them, and, by his description, police determined it was likely Brad Caswell, Jonathan's father. Even so, after an extended investigation, the Burgess Springs Police Department closed the case. Jonathan's father denied being there, and Paul's testimony was sketchy at best. But that didn't stop the town from ostracizing the Caswells for the better part of a decade. Brad Caswell drank himself to death eight years ago. There's been no sign of Sarah, not even a clue since then, until yesterday. In her voicemail, Sarah said that she was calling from the Cumberland Farms off Route 9, so I went there. I went to all the gas stations in Burgess Springs, but I couldn't find anything. And then this happened. Okay, say say again what you just told me. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Um, hi, I'm George, and I'm the night attendant at Cumberland Farms, the one just off Route 9. Okay, good. And uh, when I went to your Cumberland Farms yesterday, looking for someone, nobody knew anything. Yeah, well, I got off it too. So the gal after me wouldn't have known what you were talking about. Right, right, I get that. Now, you said someone came in and used the phone that night? Yeah. A girl, I'd say she was 15 or 16, blonde hair, looked kind of dirty, like she'd been on the street for a while. Did she say anything? Just asked to use the phone. And this phone call, did you happen to, you know, overhear any of it? I'm not an eavesdropper. Right, right. I, I didn't mean to imply. And if I did happen to overhear anything, I mean, it's a small convenience store. It wouldn't be my fault if I did happen to hear something. No, no. What do you remember? Well, not much. She had a plain-sounding name, like Rachel or Monica or... Sarah? Oh, yeah. That was it. Probably. And then she said something about being lost. I don't remember the rest. And then she thanked me for using the phone and she left. That's great, George. Does... Cumberland Farms happen to have any security cameras? Yeah, they work like a charm, too. Well, you want to see them? Yeah, yeah, I do. 
So I drove back to the Cumberland Farms gas station, where I met George in person. He was a mild-mannered man, probably late 40s, and he showed me to the manager's office, basically a converted broom closet, where he played the tapes for me. I talked him into quietly making a copy I could take home with me. He had to burn it to a DVD. It took forever just to find a DVD player. The security cameras are old, from at least the 90s and in black and white, so it's hard to make anything out. At 1.05 a.m., a woman with longish hair wanders into the convenience store, looking lost. She says something to George, he hands her the phone, and she makes a call. After maybe 30 seconds, she hangs up, looks around for a moment, and then leaves. Was this girl Jonathan's sister? I had to show him the recording. I don't know. It could be her. You can't be more certain? Do you see the image quality here? It must be like 240p. Maybe worse. This is Jonathan Caswell, Sarah's half-brother and my close personal friend. We met about three years ago when I was on tour with my old band, and he ran sound for us at this dive bar on the outskirts of Bridges Springs. Not long after, the band split, and Jonathan persuaded me to stay put for a while, and, well, the rent was cheap in Bridges Springs, they had a community college, so I could go back to school like I'd planned. But that's a story for another time. This? This is about Sarah. Just watch it again. Okay? You might see something I didn't. No, sorry. I don't see anything. Wait. What is it she's wearing? What? Now you see something? Just rewind it, will ya? Is that a letter jacket? Yeah, I think so. Looks like there's a... What is that? A wrestler? Embroidered on the jacket? I can't make it out. It doesn't matter. Sarah never played any sports. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. She certainly never wrestled. <sighs> but the jacket, I assume it's from Bridges Springs High School. I. It's been 18 years since I was in high school. I don't remember what they looked like. Could be worth a shot, though. Fine. But she hated that place. So we went to Burgess High. It was tenuous, at best, but it was a lead. Jeez, those are loud. What are? The insects. What are those? Cicadas. Fuck. I haven't been here in almost 20 years. Is it like you remember? Yeah. Eerily so. So? Where to? I mean, I'm not sure what we're expecting to find. But? But the wrestling mats were this way, I think. Well, here they are. Just some dirty old... Is that...? She looks just like... Hello? Who's there? Sarah. Oh my god. It was Sarah Reed. We'd found her. After 17 years, Sarah was no longer a missing person. But there was something wrong. She had been sleeping in the school gymnasium for at least two days, but underneath the oversized letter jacket, I could tell that this, this girl, couldn't be Sarah Reed, because she was still only a teenager.
Sarah? Sarah, it's me, your brother. Jonathan? I, I thought you were Brad. What happened? You look so different. Do I? You're all pudgy. <sighs> I know, I know. Come here. Jonathan, what's going on? I never expected to find my long-lost sister, and I certainly never expected to find her in a high school wrestling gym of all places. But it was her. It was my Sarah. Still kind of scrawny, the same blonde hair. She looked just like I remembered. Even the clothes looked familiar. I didn't realize yet how familiar. This is Jonathan Caswell, and you're listening to Burgess Springs. On this episode, we get answers. Some of them, anyway. As soon as we found Sarah, Corinth, of course, wanted to talk to her, to ask her questions, to figure it all out. We took Sarah away from the gym and brought her to a Starbucks. She ordered a green tea frappuccino, and the barista actually said, classic. I wondered if we shouldn't get her to her parents or a trauma counselor or something, but Jonathan wouldn't hear of it. Not yet. She didn't seem comfortable in confined spaces, so we sat outside while she drank it. Sarah, what do you remember? We, we went into the mine. Go on. I was, I was with Jonathan, Jonathan and Paul. Can I ask, what happened after you went into the mine? It's all confused. I remember you chasing me. You were chasing her? Not like that. We went in on a dare. We had to sprint inside, otherwise we'd never get the courage up. Yeah, I remember laughter and then, I don't know, I suddenly couldn't hear either of you anymore. Maybe, maybe I'd taken a wrong turn? It sounded all echoey where I was, like I'd entered a big cave. I don't, I don't remember ever being somewhere like that in the mines before. And then there was this strange sound, kind of like a a drone that I could feel vibrating through my feet. It made my whole body shake, and I... Sarah? I grabbed my head. It was so loud it hurt. I I could feel the blood coming out of my ears. And then I was walking out of the mine, and that's it. But it was daytime. It was morning. So I must have passed out or something. Sarah, why didn't you go home? Why were you sleeping at the school? I I don't know. I everything looked wrong. Stores were different. Why are the stores different, Jonathan? Why do you look different? I just needed to lie down. I needed rest. I was so tired and scared. Jonathan, how long was I gone? Sarah, how old are you? I'm 16. Why? So now you've heard it. The solution to the biggest mystery of my life that nearly destroyed my family, what happened to my sister, Sarah Reed, was suddenly replaced by an even bigger mystery. This girl, if she was Sarah, and I had a hard time believing, looking at her there, that she might not be, was a teenager. My sister, my Sarah, had been missing for 17 years. This wasn't possible. It's not possible, Jonathan. Corinth, you never met her. Jonathan, her sister, if she turned up today, would be 33 years old. That girl in there can't be more than... 16. 
just like she says. You believe her? I can't not believe her. You think I wouldn't recognize my own sister? I... I think that grief Ugh. and... and hope can make people see what they want to see. That's her, Corinth. I don't need you to believe me. Sarah? Sarah, I'm going to have to tell you a few things. You're scaring me. Sarah Bear, it's not 2004 anymore. What do you mean? It's... It's June. June 2004. Look at me. You said I look like my dad? Like Bradley Caswell? I'm in my 30s now. No. Um, am I... No. At least, you still look 16. Sarah obviously needed some rest. So we took her home. Our mom and Robert... That's Sarah's father, a.k.a. my stepdad. Just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that she was back. Couldn't believe that she hadn't grown up. (laughs) No one else believed it either. And it would have been fine. It would have been great if that was where it stopped. But it didn't. Corinth had her curiosity peaked too deeply. Sarah was back. But it was all too strange. And no one else seemed to wonder why. Why had she vanished? And how had she come back? And why on earth hadn't she aged? Robert and Madeline Reed wouldn't let me in to see their daughter. Even Jonathan got tight-lipped on me over the next few days. There was only one other witness to that night. Jonathan's former best friend, Paul Williams. This is... Shit, I still don't have a title. This is Burgess Springs. I wanted Corinth's investigation to stop here, with us finding Sarah. My sister had returned, alive, after 17 years, and that was enough for me. I didn't need to know why this had happened, didn't need to know how it was possible that she was still 16. It was what my mom would call a miracle. I don't believe in miracles, but for a few weeks at the beginning of June, I did. But Corinth had other plans. She wanted answers, and there wasn't much I could do to stop her. The response I've been getting to this show has been tremendous, if a little local. A lot of you have written in to twilighthourwbsp at gmail.com with ideas about what might have happened to Corinth, but nothing's materialized yet. All I can say is keep writing in, keep engaging. Something's bound to turn up. On this episode, Corinth goes looking for those answers, and she goes looking for Paul, my best friend from the early 2000s. The aughts, I think we call them now. Anyway, I'm Jonathan Caswell, and you're listening to Burgess Springs. After Sarah's disappearance in 2004, Paul Williams was ostracized from the Burgess Springs community. 
word on the BSEC campus is that his professors gave him an honorary associate's degree just to get him out of town. Now he works as a mechanic at a little garage in the heart of Boston. I drove the two hours into the city and caught him as he stepped out on a break. Mr. Williams, I'm, I'm Corinth. It's a pleasure. Oof, sorry, my hand's a little dirty. Oh, it's okay. I don't mind. Are you free to talk? Look, I know you said on the phone that they found Sarah. That's right. It's just that the last time I spoke about that night, it wound up causing a lot of problems for some people I really cared about. I understand, Mr. Williams, but can we... Stop with the Mr. stuff. It's Paul. Paul. I just want to hear your side of things. I just want to hear your story. I'm not here to pass judgment. Fine. But only because Sarah's back. Understood. So? So. Jonathan wanted to go up to the mine. We did that sometimes. Snuck off so we could smoke and drink and not have anybody else around. I showed up at his dad's house with the truck. You really need four-wheel drive to get up there. And Jonathan came bursting out the door all angry. I remember that. He said he and his dad had been fighting. They'd been fighting? About what? Who knows? They fought all the time. But then when he got in the cab, he told me to go over to his mom's place. We were picking up his kid sister. And what did you think about that? I mean, it was a little weird. But not that weird, you know? Okay. Then what happened? I stopped at a gas station to get some beer. Cumberland Farms? What? Was that the gas station? The Cumberland Farms off Route 9? It was a gas station off Route 9. I I don't know which one. That's the way you go to get out of town and up to the mountain. Why? Is that important? I don't know. Go on. Okay. So we get up to the mine. How, How long does that take you? Usually about 40 minutes. Usually? Yeah, I seem to remember this time took longer. I think I took a wrong turn. I thought you said you'd been up there a bunch. Yeah, but uh, the woods up there, all the same, you know? Especially around dark. Tell me maybe more about the mine or... You've been to the mine, I guess. No, actually... Well, it's partially collapsed. It's hard to get into. It's tight in there. If you do go up there, like, be careful. Have somebody else with you. It's serious. It's dark. There's no lights. You have a place like that. You just never know what's in there. I mean, look, we've got black bears. Wait, what do you mean? Look, when you have a cave or something like that, you never know what's going to move in. I don't know. I feel like most, most cities I've been in have their own little legend. Oh, yeah, cities, yeah. Cities have plenty of stories, and they're all on paper, and they're in books. I'm talking about the woods. The woods is dark, the woods is dangerous, there's no light up there, and whatever's up there sees you before you see it. But we get there, we find the entrance, and I park. We hang out in the truck bed for a while, drinking and smoking. And then the dare. The dare. The police report never said... Who dared who or exactly what it was about. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta no, go. Paul, this, you I've have had to I, I I've had enough. For Sarah. 
Can you tell me what happened for Sarah? Give me a damn minute. Look. Jonathan dared Sarah to go into the mine. Okay. Why was that so hard? Jonathan made me swear not to tell anyone. What? He and Sarah went in together. And then she never came out. You know what that looks like. Even I know what that looks like. But Jonathan... There's no way. So he comes out, crying and bawling and screaming for me. He says we should get the cops. I say, okay, let's go. But then he makes me swear, swear on my kid brother, that I won't tell anyone he was the one that dared Sarah. He thinks it would make him look guilty. But I don't want to lie to the cops, so we both just say we forgot. Fuck. I feel guilty just saying it out loud. Are we done? Wait. Why did they go after Jonathan's father? Enough, Miss Davies. That's all public record. I'm going back to work. No, I've read the police reports. I want to hear you. You know I majored in history at BSCC. What does that have to do with anything? I saw something in the woods. Something, well, it walked on two legs. The police took the thing I saw and they forced it into their interpretation of events. Tried to use it to wrangle a confession out of Mr. Caswell. What did you see? Burgess Springs is an old town, you know that? Late 18th century. And the community college's library's got a great collection of stuff from those days. Mr. Williams? Paul? That's not a lot to go on. Good luck. You know, I considered just sitting on this one. I'm the only person releasing these things, and... How would any of you ever know? But it's time for the truth to be out there. All of it. I need you to trust me. I need you, listeners, to help me find Corinth. And if we're going to do that, you need to hear everything. Even the stuff that makes me look bad. It was a frustrating conversation, to say the least. But it gave me something to go on. And poor Jonathan having to deal with all that guilt all those years. But I did, like Paul said... And the same day I got back from Boston, I went to the BSEC library. And Paul was right. They did have a sizable collection of things from when the town was founded. Picks and chisels and bird cages and china coffee cups and glass display cases I had never bothered to stop and really look at. I did some digging into the history of the mine. Turns out the Burgesses, for whom the town is named, discovered a cave complex, which they opened into the Burgess Mine. The mine ran for nearly a hundred years, until 1885, when a cave-in killed 64 workers. Different companies have tried to open it up again over the years, but its isolated location makes it cost-prohibitive. But that wasn't the most interesting thing I found. In their special collections, tucked between two cardboard protectors, was a sheaf of papers, including a newspaper clipping and the loose diary pages of a man named Eliyahu Maynard. 
They were all dated right after that cave-in I mentioned, from August 1885. And, dear listener, when I finished reading the newspaper clipping, I realized that I had stopped breathing. Here was the headline. Local man disappears for 17 years, returns unharmed after cave-in. Last time, you heard some audio from Corinth's trip to Boston, where she tracked down my old friend Paul. Broke his promise, didn't he? That we'd forgotten who dared Sarah to go into the mine? I can't say that I blame him, really. It's a long time to live with a secret. And like I said last time, you need to hear everything. But. What he told Corinth led her down a rabbit hole of obsession. The 1885 mystery of Eliyahu Maynard. Local man disappears for 17 years, returns unharmed after cave-in. Corinth found all she could in the archives, which wasn't much. But she's a journalist and an internet wizard, and pretty soon she had another interview under her belt. This one takes a turn for the spooky, Get ready for some good old-fashioned supernatural 19th century lore right here on Burgess Springs. After my discovery at the library, I spent some serious time trying to parse the diary pages of Eliyahu Maynard, but the paper was brittle and the handwriting barely legible. The best source of information, the only source, seemed to be the newspaper clipping. The article was short and to the point, with no attempt to rationalize any aspect of Maynard's reappearance. That he looked to have hardly aged, that he seemed to have no recollection of the previous 17 years, or that his only memories from just before the disappearance were of a ghostly white figure at the edge of the forest. This last detail gave me the creeps. I needed to know more. Luckily, I was in the library, which meant I had access to all their subscriptions, including Ancestry.com. With a little poking around, and after a phone call to the county records office, I had a new contact, Eliyahu Maynard's great-granddaughter, a.k.a. Belinda Ransom. Hello? Hi. Is this Belinda Ransom? Yes, this is she. Belinda lives in Burgess Springs. Her family never left, she told me, and considers herself a local history buff. She was eager to talk with me, to tell me all she knew about Eliyahu Maynard's disappearance. So we set up a coffee date at the Miss Elmira Cafe. Here is the article I was telling you about. Ah, a Maynard family legend. So you've heard of Eliyahu Maynard and his return. Of course I've heard of him. Do you think there's substance to the report? It's not just some newspaper editor trying to drum up sales. Great-granddaddy Maynard was as honest as they come. Or so the story goes. You never met him? Unfortunately, no. Died when his daughter, my grandmother, was just a kid. Say they found him in bed, clutching his bedclothes and eyes wide like he'd seen something terrifying. Sounds like a heart attack, if you ask me. According to the article... The morning your great-grandfather went into the mine, before he disappeared, he saw this 
ghostly white statuesque figure on the edge of the forest. Mm. The alabaster witch. The what now? Oh, Burgess Springs myth. She lives in the foothills all around here, supposedly. Settlers have been reporting sightings of her for over 200 years. Mm, so she's a local Bigfoot legend. Well, I don't know if I believe in Bigfoot, but... But you believe in this, this alabaster witch. I've never seen her myself. No one in the Maynard line has gone near that mountain in two generations. Superstition. But I knew folks growing up. Old timers, you know. They said they'd seen her. Wandering the woods. Looking for children to gobble up. I don't know if this old lady believes in her anymore. But the little girl in me still does. Do you think she's still around? Now, you aren't going to go looking for her, are you? After her meeting with Belinda, Corinth called me up. She asked me if I'd ever heard of the Alabaster Witch. I hadn't then. I wish I never had. One of those legends that should have stayed dead. But Corinth was excited. She thought the story could have something behind it, a clue to the mystery. She wanted to talk to Sarah again, see if she remembered something from that night that might match Paul's description. And I, of course, agreed to go along. She recorded that, too. She recorded everything. The house where Jonathan and Sarah grew up is a bit of a ramshackle affair these days. In family photos, on the walls inside, the house is a pale green. But now, much of the paint has chipped away, revealing brown clapboards underneath. I found myself wondering if Sarah was appalled by its state when she returned. Jonathan, we weren't expecting you. Who's your friend? That's Madeline and Robert Reed, Sarah's parents. Madeline is Jonathan's mother. Robert's his stepfather. They're... normal. This is Corinth. You've met before. Oh, right. At the... Yeah, we're actually just here to see Sarah. Yeah? What for? And what's all this stuff she's carrying? I'm a journalism student, Mr. Reed. Hmm. Student, huh? Aren't you a little old for that? I'm what you might call a non-traditional student. At BSEC, I took some time off after high school. I don't care what you are. You're not harassing my Sarah. And you, her own brother. She's been through enough as it is. Robert, let us through. Get out of my house. Out! Robert! Mr. Reed, we just want to give Sarah an opportunity to tell her story in her own words. Yeah, you want her story. She's traumatized. She's got brain fog. She can't think straight. That's her story. And no lowlife brother of hers is going to milk it like some cash cow. Jesus, fine, we're going. Jonathan, wait a second. Madeline! Quiet, Rob. He's my son. Real class act you married there, Mom. Jonathan and Robert have never gotten along. And he was always protective of Sarah, even before, well... I see... Mrs. Reed, would you mind talking about what it's been like for you since Sarah came back? Uh, me? I thought you wanted to talk to Sarah. It might help in putting the picture together. Oh, gosh. Well, well, it's, it's been wonderful having her home. And stressful, too, of course. I, well, to tell the truth, we'd given up on her a long time ago. 
and never thought I'd see my baby again. I kept holding out hope that she would turn back up someday, that she'd been living out her life somewhere, and I'd see her on the street, all grown up, and I'd know it was her. But she hasn't even grown up. She's still our little girl. You know, it wasn't at all like when you disappeared, Jonathan. What? What? Oh, I'm not surprised you don't remember it. It must have been very frightening for you. What are you talking about? You really don't remember? I know I've told you about this. Maybe you should just tell that story? Well, there isn't that much to tell. When Jonathan was six, his father took him hiking up in the hills. They were always doing stuff like that together. Boy stuff. Hiking and camping and... Mom. Well, anyway. One summer, you must have been six, I think? Sarah was only a little thing at the time. Your father picked you up from our house. I was already living with Robert. To go hiking. But then he came back without you. Totally panicked. Said he turned around for just a second. And then you were gone. Hang on. I disappeared? How long was I gone for? Jonathan, honey, you were gone for six days. And then, like magic, Deputy Wells found you. You were sitting at the opening to the dreadful mine, bawling your eyes out, but you were totally fine. Six days had gone and not a scratch on you, just missing your mom. It was another miracle. If there's one thing I know, it's that I've led a miraculous life. Madeline Reed, Jonathan and Sarah's mother, had just dropped a bombshell that no one seemed to think related. Both of her children had disappeared in the mine, Jonathan only for six days. But how does a six-year-old keep himself fed for six days? It couldn't be a coincidence. Jonathan! Jonathan, wait! Stop, Corinth. Enough. Jonathan, please. Thank you. Please just stop pushing, will you? How can you say that? I don't understand. I don't want to know. I'm sorry, Corinth, but whatever it is you're set out to find, I don't want to know what it is. That's hard to listen to. In retrospect, I wish that I had been gentler with Corinth. She was just trying to understand, and I was so frightened. I didn't want to know. It felt like I... I knew something bad was coming. But I thought it was coming for me or for Sarah, not for her. I should have known she wouldn't give up. That she'd keep trying to talk to Sarah. I should have stopped her. Poor Jonathan. I knew he was feeling all kinds of things. Confusion around his own disappearance, guilt around Sarah's, anger toward his stepfather. That one I understood completely. So I let him go. Maybe I should have stopped him, but... Anyway, what I couldn't let go was an opportunity to interview Sarah. She'd been home for almost a week now, and I figured it was now or never. 
Little did I know that it wasn't Sarah I would speak to first. Yes? Oh. Hi, Mr. Reed. I was wondering if Sarah was available. Okay. I am back at the Reed house after Robert sent me packing yesterday. Let's try again. Hello, Mr. Reed? There's always tomorrow. This is day three, trying to interview Sarah. Same results. I'm starting to think that... You Corinth Davies? Yes? Step out of the car, please. Have I done something wrong? Step out of the car. Ow. What are you doing? Watch your head. You know who I am? I'm sorry, ma'am, I don't. You're new in town. My name is Darla Wells. I'm the sheriff. I was terrified. I've been pulled over by cops before. Speeding, hotboxing. Sorry, Mom. But this was different. You've been harassing that poor Reed family, and I think they've about had enough. Maybe harassing is a strong word. Miss Davies, I'm informing you in my official capacity as the town sheriff that you are to stop inquiring about the Reeds. Have they taken out a restraining order? No, Wait a but... second. I remember now. You were one of the callers that first night what? when I got the voicemail from Sarah. You called in and told Jonathan to leave it alone. I was just trying to watch out for him. Yeah, well, if we had let it alone, we wouldn't have found Sarah in the first place. Also, Jonathan's mom said this. She said you Ms. were Davies. one of the deputies that found Jonathan at the mine when he disappeared. How tied up in this are you? It's a small town. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Sheriff Wells, have you ever heard of the Alabaster Witch? No more questions, Davies. No more prying. You're new here, and you don't know how things work yet. This is a warning to you. There's not going to be another one. Oh, yeah? I was thinking of going up to that mine. That's Wellington Exploits property. If you're caught trespassing, I'll arrest you myself. You should really get your fuel injectors looked at. Clear up that smoke. <clears throat> what a bitch. Corinth? Sarah! H hi! I didn't see you there. I saw Sheriff Wells pull up. I snuck out to see you. I'm sorry. My dad called her. He shouldn't have. That's... that's okay. He's... he's just trying to protect you. I think. You wanted to talk to me? I have a few minutes before my parents notice I'm gone. I was finally going to get another interview with Sarah Reed. And I had something new to go on, too. I had seen that flash of recognition in Sheriff Wells' eyes. She knew something. More than that, she had been frightened. Frightened by the words Alabaster Witch. Next time, Sarah remembers.
It's June 10th, 2021, and I'm interviewing Sarah Reed. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for letting me talk with you. Sure. Sarah, I've been trying to find a way to reach you for a few days now. No one else seems to be interested in why you disappeared. Oh, I don't think they're not interested. Or why you still seem to be 16 years old. Yeah, that that is stranger. Can you tell me what it's been like since you uh, returned? I'm happy to be home. But if I had a friend come home after 17 years and she was still 16, I think I'd call, like, a scientist or something. You've been thinking about this. Yeah, I have been. Sarah, can you tell me about the day you disappeared? We talked about this already. The day you and Jonathan found me? Right, right. But you were in shock at the time, understandably. I thought, now that it's been a week, maybe you'd remember some more details. I'm I'm sorry, Corin. I can't remember anything else. It's all a total haze. Okay. That's okay. Look, I- I've been doing some digging. Do <laughs> you mind if I run a few things by you? Okay. I walked her through what I discovered at the BS Public Library, the story of Eliyahu Maynard, who disappeared and returned 17 years later. And then I asked her, Have you talked to Paul since you came back? No, I haven't. Can you speak into the recorder, please? Oh, sorry. No, no, I haven't. I tracked him down a few days ago in Boston. Has anyone told you that Paul saw something in the woods while you and Jonathan were in the mine? I don't like where this is going. I know, honey, but bear with me. He saw something in the woods, which he described in his police report as tall, white, and lumbering. Does that ring any... Sarah, are you okay? Yeah, I just got cold for a second. Eliyahu Maynard saw something like this, too. His descendant, Belinda Ransom, called it the Alabaster Witch. Sarah! Sarah, it's okay! I didn't know what had happened or what I'd said, but Sarah was obviously still traumatized. I couldn't help but wonder if maybe Mr. Reed had been right, that she shouldn't be interviewed yet. But Sarah's reaction also proved something else. I needed to go into those woods myself. I needed to see the mine with my own eyes. Screw Darla Wells and her threats, empty or otherwise. Obviously, I wanted Jonathan to come with me. Two is better than one when it comes to venturing into unknown territory. Plus, I knew he'd been to the mine at least twice in his life. Probably more growing up in Burgess Springs. So I dropped by his house to run it past him. Corinth, I think this is a bad idea. Of course you do. Your sister disappeared up there. Why would you think it's a good idea? And you still want to go up there? Yep. I can't believe you talked me into this. I need you to show me how to get there. You wouldn't let little old me come out here by myself, would ya?
what was that? Just a coyote. That's not what we need to worry about up here. What do you mean? Just keep hiking. Jonathan here. You should know at this point that all of the audio you're about to hear is raw. Corinth didn't have a chance to edit any of it before she disappeared, so I've taken some small liberties. Why is everything Burgess something out here? Burgess Springs, Burgess Mountain, the Burgess Mine. Gives girl an inferiority complex. Think these Burgesses invented the whole world? Jonathan? Are you listening? Corinth, quiet. We pretty much slid down the mountainside, away from the thing. What we saw is hard to describe. It seemed to be the size of a person, but it also took up more room than it should have. Its skin was white and kind of glowing, like the moon. <laughs> it sounds like a bullshit comparison, but really imagine it for a second. Something naked, human-shaped, glowing white. Translucent hair falling around its shoulders, and that sound that followed it. Cicadas. We're getting close to Corinth's disappearance, friends. Next time, you'll hear the day leading up to it. I'm Jonathan Caswell, and this is Burgess Springs. Another episode in the can. Now, what I should record next... Sarah, how are you feeling? Oh, just peachy. I love hearing my brother twist the truth to his own ends. Sarah, what are you talking about? Shut up! How could you? You betrayed me, Jonathan. I was your little sister. You were supposed to protect me. Sarah, you're confused. You hit your head really hard, remember? Plus, (laughs) you've been trapped in a mine for 17 years. I'm here to help you. I've only been trying to figure out what happened to you. Fuck you. Hey, come on now. What are you going to do with that? Hi, listeners. This is Sarah Reed. I'm not really sure who you are or what a podcast really is. A lot has happened since 2004. But if you've been following along with Corinth and my brother's investigation, then there's stuff you need to know. A ton of stuff, actually. Let's just say that there are some things Jonathan needs to account for. When Jonathan and Corinth hiked up to the mine, he didn't play you the whole recording. The thing about being at the mixing desk is that you can edit things however you want. Now, if I can figure out how to get this recording to play... Oh, here we go. Jonathan, what the fuck?
Jonathan, Jonathan Caswell, is that you? And you brought a friend. <laughs> we'll see each other soon. Why does it know your name? Corinth, run. So you see, whoever you are that listens to these things, I don't know how or why, but the Alabaster Witch knew my brother. I'm going to listen to every scrap of audio left on these tapes. Next time on Burgess Springs, we'll finally get the truth. Hi, listeners. Sarah Reed again. I think I should say at the top here that if you haven't listened to the previous seven episodes, not much of what follows is going to make sense. It's been a week. And I've put together as best a picture I can from the audio we have left. And we don't have that much left. The most interesting stuff is off of Corin's recorder, which I have now. Here, near the end. Forget about Jonathan for now. Let Darla Wells look into his disappearance for a while. Don't worry, it was just a bump on the head. I didn't kill him or anything. If you've been following along, you'll know that Corinth has been missing for eight weeks. That much is true. But here's the thing. Jonathan knew where Corinth was. He's known it all along. I have a better picture now of what he's done, but I still can't exactly explain why. It's like some kind of twisted game. But if you've heard Corinth's story, and my story, you deserve to know. I'm going to stop talking now and play something so you can see what I mean, and exactly how much Jonathan's been hiding from all of us. I'd like to introduce to the court... Exhibit A. I call that one Cthulhu in Void. It's 3 a.m. Sunday, June 13th, and this has been The Twilight Hour with Jonathan Caswell. We've got a two-hour block of commercial-free classic rock coming up right now until the morning news at 5. Sleep well, Burgess Springs, and I'll hear you late-night birds again next week. Yeah. Yeah, come in. Hey, Sarah. You can come in. I just went off air. What's up? Why are you up this late? Does mom know you're here? No, I snuck out. (laughs) Probably give Robert a heart attack. Look, Jonathan, I'm... I'm starting to remember things. Things about the day I went missing. Oh yeah? Like what? It's okay. I'm still your big brother. You can tell me. I remember us going into the mine. It's okay. Take your time. Why don't you start from the beginning? Describe the whole day. What did you do that morning? Okay. I remember it was a Saturday in June. 
I slept in almost until noon, and Mom had made blueberry waffles, so I warmed some up for lunch. You remember what you had for lunch? It was so long ago. No, it wasn't. Not for me. I remember I went to the mall with Courtney and Heather that afternoon. Courtney bought basically everything in Claire's. I got a bracelet from Spencer's, and we ate those gross mall pretzels. Then when I got home, Mom and Dad weren't there, so we went out to the mine. You said your friend Paul had gotten some beers, and you were going to split them down at the quarry. I guess I didn't realize the quarry meant the mine. Anyway, I remember driving up the mountain in Paul's truck. Paul was cute. I'd always thought so, and I sat between you and him. I knew we were doing something we weren't supposed to do, but you never brought me along for things before. Why did you bring me along then? It just seemed like a fun idea at the time. I'm sorry, Sarah. It was late by the time we got to the mine. Lots of rough back roads. Paul's truck was so uncomfortable. I kept hitting my head because I didn't have anything to hold on to. And then we were there. Paul parked the truck in the trees and we sat on the back drinking and at one point, I don't remember who, but someone dared someone else to go into the mine. Paul. Paul dared you to go into the mine. Okay. So why did you come? You begged me to. Didn't want to go in on your own. Okay. Well, I remember we both had flashlights. We were exploring. And after a few minutes, I wanted to go back, but I didn't want to say so. I didn't want you to think I was a chicken. And then, all of a sudden, we were separated, and I, I didn't recognize where I was. It was a full-on cave with pillars and strange shadows, and then there was the sound, and then... It's okay. You don't have to go on. I understand. Jonathan, there's more. It's okay. You should take it slowly. I'm not sure why I started to remember things then. I think it might have something to do with Jonathan and Corin's close encounter with the witch. Even though I wasn't there, just coming into contact with it activated something in me. But one thing's for sure. Jonathan didn't want me to keep talking. Because I did remember more. There was the sound. Like insects. It's the only way I can describe it. It was like finding yourself in the middle of a forest, surrounded by millions of cicadas, singing around you, no, singing at you, singing, screaming, impossibly loud. There was so much sound, my ears bled. That must have been the blood they found in the mine. But I've seen the crime scene photos now, and the place they found the blood is nowhere like the cavern I was in. I wasn't alone in the mine. I saw her. It. I saw... Whatever Jonathan and Corinth saw, the Alabaster Witch. It was huge, bigger than the cavern somehow. Perspective all seemed totally out of whack. And it was white, this god-awful rubbery white. And there were others besides the witch. I could see people, I don't know how many, maybe dozens, trapped in the walls of the cavern. The stone seemed to have flowed over them and they were just visible under that top layer of rock. Some of them were standing up, like stalagmites. It was like I had walked into hell. It was so, so cold. And then I realized two things. The first was that no matter how much I wanted to run, I wasn't going anywhere. 
probably for a very long time. And the second was that all these people trapped in here with me, they were being eaten. You probably won't believe most of this, but that's fine. What I have to present to you next is what's most important. I told you Jonathan knows where Corinth is, but so do I. The same day, when I came back to Jonathan in the recording booth to tell him the things I remembered, that was the day Corinth went missing. Jonathan never stopped recording. I guess he figured he'd be able to come back and delete the audio from the studio before anyone found out. He was wrong. Corinth found it. It didn't recognize where I was. It was a full-on cave with pillars and strange shadows, and then there was the sound, and then... It's okay. You don't have to go on. I understand. Jonathan, there's more. It's okay. You should take it slowly. Jonathan. Jonathan, I can't breathe. It's too tight. It's okay. Go to sleep now, sis. I don't like this part. Let's fast forward a bit. That sound you're hearing is my brother dragging my body out of the recording booth. Now, just a few minutes later... Hello? On the security camera, I can see Corinth doing some late-night investigating. She's being a good journalist. Or maybe a bad one. I don't know if it's considered breaking and entering if all the doors are unlocked. Anyway, she's obviously digging into my brother's audio files. He keeps all of them tucked away right here where I'm sitting now, in his recording booth, and where Corinth is hunting for evidence on the recording. That'll be Jonathan trying to get back into his precious recording studio. You can see in the tape Corinth has noticed the security camera. She's putting it together. She's just put something into the tape deck. She's listening to it. It must be the audio we just heard because she looks shocked, too. Now she's running out the door. And I know where she's going. Sarah. Sarah, goddammit, I'm getting in one way or another. She's going to the mine, because that's where she vanished eight weeks ago. He's inside. I gotta get out. If you don't hear from me... Hi listeners, this is your new host, Sarah Reed. I have to get this out quick. I've managed to evade my awful brother for now, but there are only so many places to hide in this town that also have high-speed internet. I guess you're listening to Burgess Springs, since that's what everyone else seems to be calling this podcast. Last time when we left off, Corinth had just figured out that something was up with my brother. After he knocked me out and took me back to the mine, she came into his studio to rummage through his audio files. She pieced things together pretty quickly, and when she figured out where Jonathan had gone, she wasn't far behind us. Here's the last piece of audio she recorded before, well, you know. It's 6 a.m. on June 13th, 2021. This is Corinne Davies. I'm recording this in case... In case... 
If you're listening to this, I don't know. I might be dead. Burgess Springs' Jonathan Caswell, host of The Twilight Hour, is not who he seems. He has his secrets. So if you're listening to this, I hope you'll believe what I have to tell you. Jonathan made a deal with... God. Even as I say it now, it sounds insane. Jonathan made a deal with an entity. With people in these parts called Alabaster Witch. He sacrificed his sister to protect his own hide, maybe? That's all that makes sense to me. She managed to escape, but Jonathan has just abducted her again, and I think he's taken her into the Burgess Springs mine. I'm approaching it now. That's his car. The trunk's open, but I don't see anyone. I'm going inside. Wish me luck. I'm going to leave my recorder on, and hopefully... I don't know what I'm hoping. Here goes. Sarah? Sarah! Shit, what am I doing? Sarah! Sarah Reed! Hello, Corinth. What are you doing? Just some light repair work. Repairs for what? For what let Sarah out. I think it was a drill bit, probably from that Wellington Exploits company. They've been out here prospecting, but I don't think they know what they risk digging up. So what are you doing to it? <laughs> I'm trying to break it off. Sarah can't go back in with this here. Jonathan, where's Sarah? Is it right that a little boy should be condemned for saving his own life? What? <laughs> She's fine. And she'll be fine. You don't need to worry about her. But all these... things in the wall... Are these... people? Mm-hmm. Looks like... the rock has absorbed them. This doesn't make any sense. They don't even look dead. They belong to it. I'd leave them alone if I were you. It? The witch? No, the mine. How long have you known about this place? Since I was a kid. I got lost and wound up here. She took care of me. The Alabaster Witch. What exactly happened when she took care of you? Look, I was just a kid. She was going to keep me here forever, unless... So I did. I promised her my baby sister, and I got to go free. Is it right that a little boy should be condemned Jonathan, for saving his own tell life? tell me where Sarah is. She isn't yours. Tell me where she is, and we'll just go. Jonathan, please. No. You leave us alone. Okay, okay, okay. Just put the hammer down. You don't need to threaten me, I'm your friend. Remember? Oh. Sarah! Corinth? Stop. Don't touch her. Come on, honey. Stand up. We have to go.
Leave her for me. Please, not so loud. No more. Just take her, okay? She's right here. Please, I can't stay. I have to go. Just take her. I can't be back, I can't be back, I can't be back. I knew I was back in the mine, and I was terrified. I couldn't remember how I'd gotten there, didn't remember anything about Jonathan's attack. I felt around in the dirt for something, anything. And what I found was Corinth's recorder. But I wasn't in the cavern anymore. The walls had closed up, and it was just the tunnel now. I used the light from the recorder's screen to find my way back out of the mine. Believe me, that wasn't easy. But there wasn't a car anywhere, no roads. I don't know how Jonathan could have gotten his car up there because the only thing I could see was trees. I don't even know how long it took me to hike back down. Seemed like hours. Jonathan didn't want me to remember. And for a few weeks, I couldn't. I tried, but I couldn't remember anything. He told me I'd run back to the mine on my own and I was so dehydrated and exhausted and injured that I believed him. But the truth came back to me slowly as I recovered. And then I heard his recordings, and I knew. And that's why I have him, well, somewhere. I only knew her for two weeks between my reappearance and her disappearance. But Corinth Davies was my friend. She saved my life because the mine decided to take her instead of me. I'm still not sure what the mine is, except that it's hungry and the witch protects it. If there's someone out there who understands anything about this, please reach out to me. Corinth came looking and found more than she bargained for, and it's time I returned the favor. Hi, you've reached Sarah Reed. I'm either at school or a track meet, so leave a message. Bye. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Sarah? Sarah, are you there? Burgess Springs was written and produced by Noah Lloyd and Elizabeth Strayer. Corinth Davies was Maranda Sandu. Jonathan Caswell was Noah Lloyd. Sarah Reed was Anna Wirtz. The Wellington ad announcer was Catherine Ali Zislavsky. The mail caller was Garrett Quist. Darla Wells was Molly McVeigh. George was Matt Ryan. Paul Williams was Charles Gerard. Belinda Ransom was Maddie Reynolds. Madeline Reed was Olivia Milroy Evans. Robert Reed was H. Dorian Strait. The Alabaster Witch was Sharon Merriam. Sound design by Noah Lloyd. Sound editing by Elizabeth Strayer. Theme music and original compositions by Ben Cronin. And additional music used in episode 7 was Black Sunrise by Dream Protocol and Sport Fashion Rock by Coma Studio. For more, visit BurgessSprings.com.